Good. I don't think it's gone yet. It still says starting. <laughs> Just, Here we just, are. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. <laughs> Paul tried to start us going, but it didn't start recording yet. So if everybody's wondering why we're laughing, there you go. <laughs> because, we're, because we're tech experts and we know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Justin Sloan. And with me is, of course. Hi, everybody. Paul Zeidman once again at the Co-Helm. And our special guest today, uh, actor, screenwriter, and now author, Bob Sines. Hello. Hey, Bob. <laughs> Hi. How have you been? Justin, I'm fine. I've been good. I've been okay. We've had some... Okay. 2020 hasn't been fabulous personally. Professionally, it's been pretty good, but personally, it's kind of sucked. But uh... I, Yeah, I think in 2020, you have to answer it relatively. You have to think, what is the worst situation for everybody as a whole? And then try to think, okay, how am I? So, <laughs> still a little... It's a tough one this year uh, to answer that question. I would say 2020 is the year you're desperate to look for the silver lining. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a fun year uh, with asterisk next to that. Uh, anyway, uh, Bob has a lot of cool stuff going on. But Bob, we always do this like moment where we talk about what we've been listening to or reading or uh, what have you, whatever is interesting to you at the moment. Um, so if you have any of that stuff, think about it, and Paul and I can can answer first. Uh, I just started checking out the Unicorn. I don't know if you guys have seen this. The the movie The Unicorn, the TV show. Uh, no, it's amazing. I, I oh, the one with um, um, why can't I think of his name? Um, I yeah. can't think of it either. But, <laughs> but it's on Netflix. He, he, right yeah, now. he was on. He was on Justified. He's really good. Yeah, sounds all right. And he has a lot. A lot of people from the TV show Ballers are on it as well. I've noticed. So I'm guessing there's some connection there. But uh, the show is great. I like just checked out the pilot. And I was like, this is how a pilot should be. It got me a little teary-eyed at the end. I was engaged throughout the characters, all of it. Good stuff. Recommended. Uh, what about you, Paul? Got anything going on? Uh, well, uh, as usual, Bob doesn't know this, but you definitely do. So since we've been in lockdown for what, six, seven years now or so, that... Um, <laughs> My wife and I have been slowly working our way through the Netflix queue, all that stuff that's been in the queue for like the past, you know, several years. And so we've making some good progress and we've and now we've hit uh, all of our film noir stuff that's been on there for quite some time. And so we watched two. The first one it was a French one. I don't know. Can't recall what the French version is, but I think the English version is like Honor Amongst Thieves. And it was very interesting. It was very ahead of its time. It's like from I want to say like the late 50s. And it, it definitely seemed it was almost uh, 60s, almost 70s like in its presentation. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. And the other one was a movie called Nightfall. And that was with uh, Aldo Ray, which I don't think I'd ever seen an Aldo Ray movie before. And an extremely <laughs> attractive Anne Bancroft, probably one of her earlier roles. And, uh, it, you know, it was a, a much better movie than some of the ones we watched recently. But, you know, it's really a great thrill and an experience to just kind of work our way through like all these noir films that have been around for, you know, 50, 60 years and just to take them in and enjoy them. And my wife and I really enjoy going through the plot afterward and breaking down what worked and what didn't. And like, you know, is this true to the style? Is it true to the genre? And some of them have been and some of them haven't, but you know, we're, we're on a, a good tear so far. So looking forward to the next one. Awesome. And we have been watching, um, on Peacock, we've been watching the old Columbos. Oh, 
and they are much, much better than you would think they would be, even though they're from the 60s and 70s and into the 90s as you get further on in them. And they're, they're really fun, and, they're, and uh, Peter Falk is amazing, and they're really well written. My wife love my wife loves those. I think she because I used they used to be on Netflix, uh, part of the streaming, and she worked her way through. I think the entire series, and I would walk in and she'd be working and like it would be on in the background, and she'd say, "Okay, see this guy, he's the one who did it," and this is and <laughs> just trying to explain everything that's going to happen. And I think it like, wasn't it something like Leonard Nimoy was on one. Like it, it was just a real. It was like kind of like Love Boat before Love Boat was a thing. Just all these actors who would just like be on. Yeah, there was a episodes. there was a murder of the week. That's and, it. And it was, but they were so much fun. And Peter Falk is wonderful and bumbling and not really bumbling. He wants people to think he is, so mm-hmm. he can take advantage of them. And it, it's just they're they're great fun and very much enjoyed them. That's great. That's great. Okay. Well, the part of the reason we wanted Bob on the show, as I mentioned at the start, is that uh, he is definitely a writer, but I know he didn't start out as a writer because I know Bob started as an actor, but the acting uh, in its own way led to the writing. So Bob tells this story much better than I do. Uh, I I started off as an actor. I started, when I turned 40, I decided I was going to uh, get out of the business I was in, which was the wholesale furniture business. And I was doing extremely well, but it was about ready to die. So uh, for a lot of reasons, mostly because of just generational, that the generations coming up didn't have the same patterns of buying that the older generations did. And the older generations ran those companies and didn't want to recognize what was coming and let themselves be... uh, thrown out of business. So I uh, saw the on the wall and said to my wife, I think I'd like to try being an actor again because I was when I was young. And when I picked her up off the floor, she said, absolutely, you should give it a try. And so I went out and I was an extra all over the place I, to learn how it was all done and what was going on. And I just worked my way up to a regular recurring small, little tiny minuscule character on the tv show nash bridges for six years and i got a lot of uh one line and one scene parts and a bunch of different movies and while i was on nash bridges i realized that i was not going to have a uh, career that in acting that could pay me enough to support me not doing something else so I decided to try writing and found I was a much better writer than I was an actor. <laughs> and uh, it just goes from there. I've got 16 produced films, and wow. um, two of which are coming out next month. And I've got a whole bunch of projects that are roiling around out there for next year, including one that's already been optioned. That's great. So I'm just keeping busy and... Looking for more, re- and I have some lines on two or three different rewrite jobs, depending on what happens in the next two or three weeks. That's great. And, and there's there's the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> and it's a good Reader's Digest version. Uh, what I would really like you to talk about is that, you know, because a lot of writers, they start out and think, like, I'm going to write this, and you know, success is just going to come knocking at the door. And I know, you know, <laughs> from our conversations in the past, that the script that you uh 
I think this is when you started showing around when you were at Nash Bridges. That's the one that eventually became uh, your actually released film extracurricular activities. Yeah, and this in the story of how you know it's not just about the story of how it became a film; it's how long it took for that to happen. From the day I wrote that script to the day it got shot was eighteen years. Oh. Uh, over that 18 years, it it opened every door in Hollywood that could possibly be opened. It's still opening doors, even though it's already been made. It was a, a very controversial script with a very controversial storyline. And it got, over those 18 years, it was optioned eight different times by producers, production companies, one studio, Universal, and a bunch of... Uh, directors and all kinds of different people until the last group got it and actually made it and if you want to watch it it's on amazon prime it came out in may of 2019 and the theaters did pretty well and now it's on amazon prime for free yeah i'll talk it up a second these are just my kind of my favorite kind of movies i watched it i greatly enjoyed it Uh, i'm a big fan of uh dark comedy like just things going wrong and people doing messed up things <laughs> because I'm well, such a nice guy. You know, it's fun to watch the opposites. You know what I mean? Well, then, then, then if that's the case, then this was the movie for you. Yeah, for sure. I did. And I remember too, you, you sent it to me when I had first moved to California from DC, which was 2014, I think. And, yeah. and so seeing it come to live years later, it was just, uh, it, it was a great moment for all of us. And the best part of it is it's pretty much the script that I sent you. Awesome. Yeah. It, yeah, it had been a while. I didn't totally remember. So there was there was nice new parts for my brain at least. <laughs> my memory. But uh it was it's been it was a great experience and I loved every minute of it, um, getting it made. And it it just it's one of those things that people don't realize from the time you write a script, from the time that it's get gets made, the average is about eight years. And when you tell people that, they just tend not to believe you or think they're going to be the exception. And it just doesn't happen. My shortest one is The Right Girl. It took four years. And my longest one is now Extracurricular, which took 18. And all the other ones have kind of been in between. And so, uh, as you said, that script really opened up a lot of doors for you. And I know that you've had a lot of experience. Uh, you know, the, the thing that I see the most is a lot of the TV movies, uh, including, uh, but not limited to, all of your Hallmark TV movies. And, and a lot of people, you know, they, start, they started to see you as, you know, Bob Sines, he, he writes Hallmark movies. Well, except extracurricular activities is like the anti-Hallmark. <laughs> and and I, I do, I write, uh, people want me to write, you know, I'll write anything for anybody, you know, if they, if it's, if, if I'm okay with writing it. I have turned down jobs because I wasn't the guy for that particular story. But um, I got to writing Christmas movies and. People still want me to write Christmas movies, and I'm happy to write Christmas movies. I wrote two more that are coming out in November, like I said. But the script that I just optioned is a straight-out horror film. Sweet. So it's it's not just the Christmas movies and not just the romantic comedies that I have become known for at times. Um, I'm writing all kinds of things and having people be interested in all kinds of things, thank God. <laughs> well, we're on the topic of Hallmark. Uh, a co-writer and and I have 
an interest in doing this at some point. Um, do you have any advice for people like us who want to try to get into that other than just write a Hallmark movie on our own and try to pitch it around? Is there any else, anything else to it? There's a lot more to it. Hallmark has a, has a brand and in that, in that brand, they have things that they want in their movies. And the best, the best thing I can tell people is watch a bunch of Hallmark movies, take notes, look at what the things are in all those movies that are the same. Um, Look at what they don't do. Look at the movies that the kind of movies they don't make. Um, and, and you'll be, you'll be on the right track. Um, I get people who say, well, I've got this Hallmark movie. It's about all these kids and all these dogs. And I go, that's nice. But do you see any kind of kids or dogs movie on Hallmark? And they go, well, no, but it's, it's a family movie. And I say, that's not what Hallmark does. You can't try and sell them something that's out of what their brand is. And their brand is romance. Their brand is female protagonists of a certain age. They're, they're, they're all uh, working, you know, they all have jobs, good jobs, and, and, uh, and they all need you know romance in their lives and they find it and that's basically what it is and and there are a lot of things that that you cannot can and cannot show um in those movies and you just have to you just have to look them up and 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 read hallmark films if you can get the scripts to them and see what is what it's again it's the work that you have to do to do something right uh, just saying, I'm going to set out and write a Hallmark film and write it to not only them, but to you, because you were probably going to write something that you they would never buy. For sure, yeah. Know your market, yeah. Same thing with yep. book publishing. Um, on that note, though, do you think that once you've mastered that part of it, is it kind of the same process as anything else? Like you have to go out and get an agent and all that and manager to submit or... You can different. submit to you can submit to the producers. Um, you can submit your log lines to a lot of those producers, and they're looking for those kinds of scripts all the time. That said, yes, they come back to the same people over and over and over again because I literally right now do not have an unsold Christmas script. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm writing another one. I was writing another one before we started this uh, podcast, um, but. You just, it's, it's a, um, it's a process. Yes, you can look at, at uh, managers and agents to submit them, but you can go directly to go to IMDb and look up Hallmark movies and look at the production companies that made them and query those production companies. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. It, uh, it tracks what we've heard. We also kind of, you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. We've heard that a lot of times uh, the Hallmark, method or the hallmark way of going uh definitely isn't you know as well paying as others so if you're going to do it it's more of a passion thing uh what do you think on that i think that it depends on who you are and how many you've written for them there we go uh, if it's your first <laughs> script they aren't going to pay you very much because they don't know you can handle the rewrites they don't know if you can handle the polishes they don't know if you can handle all the work it takes to develop one of those scripts once they get it and most new writers can't because it's something you have to grow and learn and do. And so they have to put in their budget payments for other writers to come in 
and do that development for them. So if you're the only writer, yes, you can make a lot of money. If you're one of four or five writers, you're going to make a little less money. If you're if you're a new writer that is going to just give them sell them the script and they're going to give you one shot at a rewrite, then you're only going to get paid five or ten thousand dollars for that script to start with. It's like it's like going to work at a company in the mailroom and you start in the mailroom and you start at a lower amount and you work your way up just like any place else. Nobody is going to pay you big dollar money for a script when it's your first one. Yeah, that's really cool. Listening, hearing mm -hmm. about like the numbers. I've heard it a lot of times like options. And in our case, like five to 10,000 seems like a good range for regular options maybe indie indie film no, studio not a, that's not the option that's the sale price yeah i was going to get to that point so <laughs> so working with certain companies it sounds like yeah the sale price is a different different ball game altogether we got i think five thousand or ten i forget now it's been a while for our indie studio option so this is like yeah it, it kind of tracks with what you're saying and that was our first sale uh anyway well Paul? Uh, they're not paying they're they're not paying for options these days especially on on non-union type scripts right. they're going to they're going to they're going to want they want to give you a hundred dollars or one dollar or no dollars and it's up to you to decide if you want to do that or not yeah. my thing is you make you you hold out for a hundred to five hundred dollars just so you can have them have some skin in the game yeah that's tough if you spend like six months on a script or eight years on a script or whatever it is <laughs> for sure well, again, it's a it's a it's it's a mailroom thing. You may have spent eight years on the script, but you haven't proven yourself to the industry. Mm -hmm. Getting in on the bottom floor is getting in on the bottom floor and knowing you aren't going to get you're not going to get mid five figures or six figures until you have proven yourself to be a commodity. Yeah, you know there are a lot of scripts that are sold by one hit wonders too. And mm -hmm. they want to know whether you're a one hit wonder or a commodity before they start investing that kind of money in your skill. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you cover a lot of this kind of stuff in your book or do we want to talk yes. about the book yet? Well, yeah, um, that's, that's the perfect segue. That's the perfect segue. Cause I was, yeah. you know, I was waiting for a break because this conversation is almost like exactly the kind of stuff, uh, Bob discusses in his book and I'm going to let him do the whole presentation about it. But, you know, these are things that a lot of people starting out, they don't know all this information. They, you know, they try to find stuff out, but there's really hasn't been a quality resource, but you know, I've read Bob's book and I'm going to let him tell the title and this, it really is like, if you're starting out or if you've, you've got a, you know, you've done a little bit of writing, but you want to do more and improve that Bob's book is a fantastic resource because it really explains things in a very easy to understand and easy to grasp, grasp kind of way. Yeah. It's called, that's not the way it works because I used to say that a lot to people on the internet when they talked about, about uh, you know wanting to walk the red carpet four days after they finish their first script, um, it, it's it's called that's not the way it works a no nonsense guide to the craft and business of screenwriting, and the first half of the book is basically here's where the screenplay is here's how you write here's the here's the pieces the the blocks. 
that you need to write a screenplay. This is what formatting is. This is what action blocks are. This is what dialogue is. This is what good dialogue is. This is what bad dialogue is. It's just a lot of the nuts and bolts of things. The second half of the book is about how to be in business as a screenwriter, what you need to do as a, as a, as a business person. And believe me, screenwriting is a business to um, that you, what you need to know to help make you be more successful as a screenwriter. And that's the part of the book that people have really, really loved. And, uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback on. Mm-hmm. See, they, see, that's what I noticed. See, the subtitle of the book is the the craft and business of screenwriting, because you know there's a ton of information on the internet about how to write a screenplay. It's what do you do after it's finished being written, and you want to get it out there, and you want to market it, and you want to query it, and you want to like try and get it out to people in the industry, and there is a very limited number of resources about that. And Bob's book, you know, I've, I've used it myself, like about, especially the part about querying and trying to get in touch with production companies. It's extremely helpful. And a lot of people don't really realize that, you know, once you've got a script, you know, they're kind of like, well, what do I do now? You do as much work marketing it as you did writing it. And that's a fact. And there's not much you can do to get past that. That's true. That's very true. And uh, from what I understand, the book has been uh, doing reasonably well. It's been doing extremely well, and I'm <laughs> very pleased. Um, I didn't think it would catch on quite as fast as it has. And it's got some fabulous reviews, and it's it's been selling, you know, steadily, and which I very much appreciate. Um, and uh, there's not much more I can say other than the fact that it's available everywhere, Amazon, um, Apple, uh, Barnes & Noble, every small bookstore. If they don't have it, they can order it for you. And I, I just heard that, that somebody told me that they were selling them on eBay new. And where, <laughs> where, else, where else were they selling them new? Oh, there was an online advertisement from Target for it not too long ago, which I thought oh, wow. was interesting. Yeah, and you have 143 reviews, five stars shaded in, which is quite uh, a feat for nonfiction, especially. Those are harder harder to market from my experience. Well, I, I have some very funny one-star reviews that are <laughs> like personal attacks on me rather than uh, about what's in the book. But yeah. uh, and, and they're great. I mean, I have a friend of mine who's a best-selling author, and I mean like she sells – her pre-sales for her books are like 300,000. And yeah. she says, she says to me, until you get some one star reviews, no one believes the five star ones. <laughs> so I was, so I told her I got the one star ones and she said, okay, you're in the club. Yeah, I, I can concur with that. On the topic of uh, publishing and maybe Paul has some more topic questions about the book, but, but I'm curious about the publishing of the book. Did you. Do you have any thoughts for people who are out there who want to publish in the nonfiction realm? Because we always talk about the fiction realm. Uh, that's more my expertise. But do you have any thoughts on this? I'll tell you what happened. I wrote this book, and I wrote it as a conversation. I wrote it in my own voice. So it was, um, I mean, Paul can tell you he's read it. It's conversational. It's very, very casually written. And a lot of the people who had publishing houses said, well, we have to, you know, make this more like a textbook and more like, you know, and I got 
one editor who wrote the first chapter, rewrote the first chapter. I showed it to my wife and she said, no, no, no. <laughs> Um, because it took my voice out of it. So yeah. I have a friend who is a, um, another friend who is a best-selling mystery writer who was once with a, one of the biggest publishers in the country and her contract was up and they were going to renew it. And she said, no, I think I'll self-publish from this point on. Yeah. So she's become a very, very smart self-publisher. And she said to me, if you want to self-publish this, I will walk you through it so that you can be in Barnes & Noble and you can be in the libraries and you can be on Amazon and you can be everywhere without do doing it through a publisher and you can make way more money than you would have if you'd been with a publisher. And for a nonfiction book like yours, a publisher is not going to do a lot of PR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And I self-published it, and it sold thousands of copies, which I've been told by some people is unusual for a self-published book. Yeah, well, they I think at the San Francisco Writers Conference, the first year I went, they threw out the number that like the average self-published book sells like five copies a year or something like that. <laughs> it was a pretty depressing number at the time. Um, yeah, then I, I've seen I, since then a lot of people are just idiots, so that makes sense, but... <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of really bad books out there. I just, yeah. uh, I, uh, a uh, producer just sent me a book to read uh, with looking at adapting it, and it was horrible. I mean, it was just awful. And uh, But come to find out that there was one idea in the book that they really wanted to to build a story about, not the book. Yeah. And it's easier to um, option the book or purchase the rights from the book to use that one thing than it is to use it and get sued later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also found that some concepts just don't hit. Like, I've had some books that are very big hits, make lots of money on, and then others that just kind of doo-doo-doo. So you just, you kind of never know with the audience, too. Or maybe somebody does, but I don't. Well, I, I for whatever reason, this book hit, and I'm very, I'm very grateful. Um, I'm very grateful. So now I've just finished my first uh, novel fiction and um, I'm I'm actually gonna I'm actually in the process of looking for a, a regular publisher I'm not gonna self I'm not gonna self-publish it unless I have to oh interesting why fiction sells way better than nonfiction usually um, just because I would like a publisher on this because I, I there's some there's some there are some really really kind of um, very powerful people in the writing industry who have read it already and absolutely love it. And so I'm getting some help. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's also a thing of like, if there's books that are very strong to genre, then they'll sell. If there's more books that are, like I had a literary one that was more kind of women's fiction, but I didn't really mean it to be that. And and that book's not going to sell at all. So then in that case, you need to go with the publisher. Uh, something to think about. <laughs> well, this is a, this book is just weird. It's a again, it's me writing it. It's a it's a YA adventure horror mm. uh, coming of age book. Cool. That does sound like that'd be good for a publisher though, because that's the that's the point. If at, if at the beginning you have to say it's this and this and this, then it's probably better for a publisher because they can help you figure it out versus 
self-publishing from my experience you got to be like it's a hundred percent this it straddles no lines <laughs> well it's this one straddles all kinds of lines and yeah. and just like my my script my spec scripts do and and it's okay because everybody who's read it has said uh you know get ready if this goes you're gonna have to write two or three more on the set with the same characters and i went okay i'm not i'm not, I'm not unhappy with that I like Seriously. the I love the characters. I love them a lot. And uh I'm looking forward to hopefully writing them again. But again, nothing is guaranteed and tomorrow isn't even guaranteed. So we're just uh we're just gonna see where this takes us at this point. Pretty cool. Paul, you have any more questions about the book? Um if, not about his new one, but I think um it was about the advice. To, it was really kind of like playing up the advice to writers that, you know, Bob's book, that's not the way it works. It really is. A, is he said he wrote it uh, in his own voice in a conversational way. And and then he said, like, the person rewrote it to make it, to my opinion, to make it sound more academic. And one of the books, uh, screenwriting books that I never liked and I, I just couldn't understand why it was so popular was Robert McKee's story. I think it's awful because it's so dry and academic and it's just a slog. I couldn't even finish it. I mean, I barely even got through half of it, but you know, reading Bob's because he's talking to you and he makes it easy to understand. And I think that's part of why the book is done so well, because it's very conversational. It's very easy to understand. It explains things the, you know, in a regular everyday kind of way. And I, again, I think that's what contributed to why the book is doing so well. One of and my think, favorite, one of, one of my favorite reviews of the book, not just somebody who wrote on Amazon, but on an online review of the book, was that it was user friendly. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciated that. And somebody else said that it's also there are parts in it that are funny, which I put that I put in there on purpose. I think that helps. <laughs> because you know because again it's not an academic dry kind of book it's very easily accessible and as bob said it's user friendly and it's just it's a very helpful tool especially for writers who are you know more or less starting out but also kind of like they have a little experience but want to get better and i think making them feel comfortable with the writing rather than like this is what you're supposed to do this is my way this is the only way to do it you know this book is not like that this well, book is just kind of like, you know, this is what you need to do. And, you know, it's, but it's not super firm in its way. Well, my book is more like there is no one way. And I say it, I think, more than once in the book. There, there is the way that you get to where you want to go is your way. And to try and take somebody else's way is a monumental mistake. There are no formulas that work, no matter what you hear or what you read. There are no set different ways that you need to take to get your your script to where it's a good script and worth presenting to somebody as as something they can buy. There are tons of different ways to get there. And in the book, I talk about all the different ways that people have used and all the different the, all the different tools that they use and say, look, as you write your different scripts, use these different tools and work out the way that works best for you. And it will help you get where you're going faster. And I got to say, one of the, probably my favorite chapter in the whole book 
is all of the um, ideas and things that people did that did not work. Oh, the, the what not to do to market your script yes, chapter? Yes, yes, and it's a lot longer than you would expect. <laughs> that was probably part of the enjoyment. Well, I left stuff out, too, I mean, that I've oh been told God. by people, uh, you know, and and some of it was was while I was writing the book, a friend of mine called from Disney, works at Disney and said, you're not going to believe this. A guy was trying to throw his script through the open windows of cars as they drove into Disney. <laughs> oh, God. And oh. he said he got it into three cars before the cops showed up and arrested him. But. But this is the kind of things people do because they hear these urban legends, and I'm making air quotes right now, urban <laughs> legends that, you know, Francis Ford Coppola got a script from a guy in an airplane once and made a movie out of it. And I can tell you honestly, that never happened. And it never happens. And you can, and the one of the other examples was your script in a pizza box sent to CAA. They get two or three of them that way a week. Oh, and man. they just get tired of it. They mm -hmm. it never works. They never read the scripts, ever, unless you do it through the ways that they've set up, like querying or contests or networking. They will not read your script. There we go. Yeah. Words to end on. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that's the that's the perfect ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, did did you have anything else to add, Bob? As far as I know, we're coming up to the end of our time, but. Uh, Anything else you want to promote or make sure to mention? Or no, I've got advice? I've got two movies coming out at Christmas. One's of, of, on the November seventeenth, I think, which is called Saving Santa Land. Um, it's a very funny movie. It's won all kinds of awards at film festivals this year that it showed at, even though they, it it showed virtually. But uh, it was it's been kind of fun to see it do as well as it's done. And then I have a. Christmas movie on Lifetime on August, August, see where I am in my brain, <laughs> on November the 6th, it's called The Christmas Yule Blog, and uh, it's, it's, it wasn't my title, but it's a, um, it's a really good story that I'm really proud of, because they, Lifetime let me do a script about my Cuban Christmases with my grandmother. And uh, it's a Hispanic-based script that takes place in um, New Mexico. Wow, that sounds. Cool. See, that's. I think that's really great because I mean, when you think of a Hallmark or a holiday movie, you usually think you know, Caucasian family, and just you know, everybody's you know, every like a traditional uh, Christmas kind of story. But you know opening it up to, you know, there are other cultures that celebrate it. So, you know, it, it's great to see that they're represented. Yeah. And it isn't about my, my Christmases with my grandmother. It's using, incorporating the things that we did as, as a family at Christmas that incorporated the Cuban traditions, but I took them all and fictionalized the whole thing. Very nice. Very nice. And they loved it. They were really happy. And I've seen the movie. And I am very happy with it. Um, and it takes place in in a small town in New, Be in New Mexico. Hmm. Very cool. All right. I think uh, that'll do it for me. Justin, do you have anything else? No, I just wanted to say it was good talking with you, Bob. It's 
uh, I think it's, what did I say, 2014-ish? So it's been like six years, maybe five years since we went out to lunch. So it's good to see your face again, hear your yeah. voice. Thank you well, so much for coming on the show. Good. Are you, You're not in California anymore, are you? I'm in Los Angeles. I moved down here to pursue the Hollywood dream. And are you having any luck? Yeah, maybe. We have a movie that's supposed to go into production in Laos as soon as the uh, the 14-day the travel, whatever you call it, um, goes out of effect. They they have the director. They have everybody. So, And that happened by shaking hands. I was here, and I'm a veteran, and I connected with some veterans, and things started happening. So we'll see if it actually happens because well, it's Hollywood. Good for you. I'm really proud of you. That's <laughs> great. I want to hear all about it, and I want to see it. And so yeah, let me yeah. keep me up to date on it. I, I'm I'm really happy for you. That's great. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen, I'll just shrug and say it's Hollywood. But as of right well, now, it's happening. Knock on wood. Hey, and all that. I've, I've <laughs> had more of those that, that were the last minute than you could that didn't happen that you could possibly believe. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like I'll leave you on this. It's every gets made is a miracle. Yeah. Every great movie that get, gets made is two miracles. So a, a good movie is a two miracle movie. <laughs> there you go. Here's to hoping for two miracles for everybody listening yes. and all of us. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Bob. And, My pleasure. Uh, Paul, anything else? No, I think that's it. Uh, and I know Bob is on Twitter, but I'm not sure if he has any other uh, online or social media. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook, too. And I'm okay. on Instagram. Ah. And and I got to be honest with you, I'm on all those places because I can sell books. Uh, I don't uh, I don't do anything else but screenwriting on any of those uh, on any of those platforms. So cool. And the book is on Amazon, and it sounds like everywhere else, right? Yes, it is. It's on Amazon. Go. It's on Apple. It's at Barnes and Noble. It's online in Barnes and Noble, and you can get it for at Barnes and Noble Nook, or you can get uh, or you can get Kindle um, from Amazon. All right, there we go. So, readers, go check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, leave a review for his book, of course. He'd like that. I'm sure he'd like you to post everywhere about it and spread word of mouth. And uh, same I with would the love, show. I would love that. Thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It. Take care, everybody. This is uh, in the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. You can find me on Amazon and Twitter at Justin M. Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. As Justin just said, this has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy. And most importantly, go write something.